On May 1921, one of the worst incidences of racial violence in American history occurred. Beginning on the evening of May 31st and continuing to the following day, white mobs stormed into black homes and schools. During segregation, North Tulsa neighborhood Greenwood was primarily African-American and was also called Little Africa. But it was home to one of the most prosperous African-American communities in history. Now, 100 years later, a collective of Oklahoma hip-hop artists are releasing a project called Fire in Little Africa. This is Tulsa, and this is our introduction to the world. It's, it's the community of Black Wall Street, you know what I'm saying? It's the community of Greenwood. Growing up Black in, in so many different forms, it, it takes you through that. And we represented a Tulsa, but it, it's relatable in any Black neighborhood. We are the new Black Wall Street. We are descendants and you know non-descendants, but we all represent Black Wall Street. It's great music, and there's a story with it. The album doesn't happen without the story. Hi, I'm Matthew Variapa, and you're listening to Songwriters and Tour Writers, a music podcast from KOSU. This episode is all about Fire in Little Africa. I first heard about Fire in Little Africa, or FIWA, when I was talking to Dr. View. Overall, you'll see the amazing talent that we have. You'll see how we are connecting the past to the present in hopes of the future. But he originally isn't from Oklahoma. Dr. Stevie Johnson got his PhD degree from the University of Oklahoma, but is actually from Longview, Texas, hence the name Dr. View. But when he moved to Tulsa for work, that's when he fell in love with the hip-hop scene there and met Steph Simon. Tulsa's music scene is uh, thriving, and it has been for the past eight years. And it's like nobody knows but Tulsa. And for Fire in Little Africa, Dr. View and Steph brought together a collective of roughly 60 artists, singers, and producers to help shed light on this history and Tulsa's hip-hop community. Tulsa is, for the lack of a better term, a gold mine that people have not you know, discovered. It's like literally on the corner of Greenwood Archery and no one just, they see it, but no one's paying attention to it. And it's like the community, the artists are saying like, you know what, let us pick up that shit and we will let the world know how dope we are. So where is Greenwood and Black Wall Street and what does it look like now? Greenwood is actually a street. I talked to A. Illa, another Fire and Little Africa artist who was raised and went to public school in Tulsa. I am a business owner. I am an artist. I'm a mother. It seems like visually when people come and visit, it seems like all that's left is this one street, which is very disheartening to me. But there is a lot of amazing businesses there. Let me say that first. But as you walk downtown, I think it's important to realize that it's not just this one street. We like to call it, hey, Greenwood. We like to think of it as Black Wall Street and make it a singular thing. But in reality, it was like huge. It was almost all of downtown. And as you walk downtown, I encourage people to look, especially near like Driller Stadium. I think they've taken some of them out. But if you look on the ground, there's plaques on the sidewalk and they are the names of the businesses that used to be there. And there are a lot for blocks and blocks and blocks. Now, downtown Tulsa, where Greenwood had burned 100 years ago, that's where the Tulsa hip-hop scene began to grow. It's been a battle um, to have a presence in Tulsa, Oklahoma for the hip-hop scene. And I'm very grateful to all of those artists ahead of me. The early days, there was hardly anybody there. That's first verse. Another Tulsa rapper who Steph calls. He's the one. He's the, he's the genesis, if you ask me. The Tulsa hip-hop scene, at least the, the one that I know best right now, definitely uh, revolves around uh, downtown. A lot of the people who ended up on the project, like uh, Written Quincy, Steph Simon, uh, Mr. Burns, we were all meeting up around, uh, I think this was like 2011. This is when I started 
the hip hop scene, I think is so beautiful and so new here because of all the stipulations that took place before it blew up. So before I even stepped in, I hear stories of like they couldn't have performances because it's hip hop. It was like a lot of a lot of community building through like what uh Britain Quincy's Cypher 120 event and just the shows kind of us supporting each other. It really there was a lot of love spread. You know what I'm saying? Like we would go to each other's shows, we would jam each other's music, tell you know what I'm saying, tell our friends and kind of like spread the word that way. It was beautiful though in those days, man, because it was it was definitely like a genuine love and a belief that even then that there really was something special here. And the scene downtown just continued to grow from there. I'm kind of younger, you know what I'm saying? So by the time I got on the scene, Verse, Steph Simon, Tone, World Coach, Oil House, they had already established themselves on, you know, downtown. So I'm kind of like the the, the the youngling. That's St. Dominic. Executive artist on Fire Little Africa album. And I am from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was sneaking into their shows, like my early performances downtown, like, I'll have to open up for stuff, reverse, and have to like hop the fence and come through the back and then like run out the back immediately after I got in performing. And I, that's how I kind of made my name for myself, you know, on the downtown scene doing those shows. So from like 2014 to about 2017, it's just unmatched in Tulsa as far as the downtown scene. I think all of us really uh, paid attention to the craft, like, uh, like really wanting to write rhymes, really wanting to write songs that, that meant something, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, this was kind of our aesthetic before the the story of Black Wall Street really began to like uh, take hold in our art. You know what I'm saying? And take hold in the in the stories that we would tell and the rounds that we would write. Once once the article on Tate Brady it came out that kind of outed him again as a Klansman, there was a lot more talk about like renaming Brady Street, and you would hear more and more people talking about. Black Wall Street telling the story, talking about the race massacre and just talking about what what hadn't changed, what, you know what I'm saying, where what happened to that area. So I think it, it ended up just being kind of a natural thing. We would talk about it more. We'd hear more poems, more songs about it, like Cypher 120. Steph wrote uh, that vision song. I can see the smoke in the earth. I can see the fire burning. I can see the kids crying because their mom and daddy dying. I can see the bombs dropping. I can hear the sirens. I can see the people fighting. All over a shoe shiner. <laughs> I can see somebody lying. I can see the hate in their eyes when they see me shining. He, he just kind of like described the scene in the whole verse. Yeah, it, it became more and more something that, that was talked about and it just kind of naturally worked its way into our art. This is beautiful, man. Shout out to the Gap Band. Charlie, come home. Greenwood, all Jim And you'll see Greenwood, where they burnt our shit down. But we came back up. It makes you look at the city different, not knowing or being taught the stories of why, why the city looks this way. And we're doing a lot of shows like on Main Street. Uh, a lot of them started like the Sound Pony. Uh, that was ended up being the hub, I think, for a long time. And yeah, knowing it's like this happened right up the street. We're playing shows in what it was called the Brady District. The more we learned about the story, the more significant it felt to our identity. You know what I'm saying? Like as uh, as people who definitely like represented Tulsa. Being in Tulsa and doing hip hop hasn't been easy. But trying to represent Tulsa as a hip hop artist that wasn't easy even for someone like Steph Simon, who has written numerous songs about his hometown. I tried to leave so much. My music wasn't accepted here. Like my style of rap, my beat selection or my style of rap or my, my appeal or whatever you want to call it, it just wasn't accepted in the city. I just felt like I wasn't appreciated as an artist. On top of going to bigger cities and they'll tell you not to tell people you're from here. Like, where's Tulsa? Like, nobody's gonna wanna hear a rapper from Tulsa. So, hearing that and already feeling like that at home, like, cause at the end of the day, you just wanna get hurt. You just wanna be loved. You want people to love your music. All of my heroes are gone. Talk about some big shoes to fill when you want to live long. I just want to make it home. 
If you wanna be a king, better learn how to sit up on that throne. I was pleased with my rights. I made peace with my wrongs. Couple bags that I couldn't carry on. Need a past in the past. Take the good with the bad. Live your life, but you gotta transform. Idle time got the best of me. Got me second guessing me. Now my family. Being here trying to leave so much and couldn't just financially just wasn't able to do got all, i fell all the way down to like riding a bus through the city and public transportation or walking and i just started appreciating the city more it slowed me down i used to look at north tulsa like a place that didn't have anything and there wasn't anything for me and then i started looking at it like a blank canvas and i'm an artist so when the artist has a blank canvas, you create. I had to find some motivation, but need to ask. I had to find some inspiration, but need to ask. I can't be sitting on my ass, letting time pass. I know you in a dark place, you just have a sprout. I had to find my motivation, but need to ask. I had to find some inspiration, but need to ask. I had to find my inner greatness, but need to ask. I know you in a dark place, you just have a sprout. If you want to like really establish something like for your city, like you have to own, you have to own that. Like you have to be immersed in the culture. You have to, you have to represent your city like with some with some level of pride. So it's like knowing like what happened here, other than the massacre. You know what I'm saying? Knowing that uh, Greenwood was as prominent as it was and rebuilt afterwards, it's like it did give uh, the artist, you know what I'm saying, a majority black artist, like a lot of a lot of pride in our city. But can hip hop really educate people about history? Well, it did for Steph, who learned about Black Wall Street because of his favorite rapper. I was 22 years old. I just finally kind of got on my feet, got my own apartment. I was watching YouTube, um, listening to the game, this G-Unit. So it's Black Wall Street for life now. Because he had just left G-Unit, started his own record label called Black Wall Street Records. I'm a kid just siding with my favorite rapper. So I don't feel threatened when Ludacris say he's coming for the number one spot. Act 50, it get lonely on top. You can hate me or love me, but not a cop's the only homies. That was my first time letting that phrase, Black Wall Street, just stick to my brain. I heard this type of thing a lot. Really learning about Black Wall Street and the massacre as an adult was a common story. But like how the game was for Steph, the turning point for a lot of the people in that Tulsa scene for getting interested in Black Wall Street was because of Steph Simon. When Steph Simon dropped his album, uh, Born on Black Wall Street, things started really like, okay, obviously this narrative was told wrong. I honestly want to say I learned about it in like 2015, around the time when Steph Simon was dropping Born on Black Wall Street and Visions from the Tisdale around that era. I was 21 when I found out about the real story and a lot of people still do not know to this day. I went to public schools in Tulsa, graduated from Memorial and I went there for four years. And I remember it was in history class, US history. And it was one page. And it was a very brief story of how a black man was accused of attacking a white woman. And it started this riot and that's what happened. It was very brief. I don't think we even talked the full day about it. And then um, as time went on, I think honestly, before this project is really when I dove in and started understanding the depth of what really took place and the horrors and also how successful we were. Like that's not really talked about at all. And I live here. I think I was like 20. That's Paris Cariz, who actually isn't originally from Oklahoma. I'm from Detroit, Michigan, and I took history. That wasn't in our history, you know what I'm saying, class. The only way you would really even be able to talk about it, I think, in the Black community is if your family was born here and raised here. You know what I mean? For for generations, so that the information was known. My uncle, he's like, you don't know about Black Wall Street? And I'm like, I know about Wall Street, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, he's like, nah, it's not even it's not even like that. You know what I'm saying? It's not about stocks and all of that. It's about, you know what I'm saying, just community growth. It's about, you know what I'm saying, uh, our people just coming together as, after a hard time to build, you know what I'm saying, our community. Uh, and they, you know what I'm saying, bombed us. Love is the knowledge that we drop. The hatred in the bomb set our souls free. 
Releasing stories untold. They try to block us out, but the powers were in fold. Yeah, believe it or not. Melanation ruled this spot. Venice is thriving more than the average apple stock. This spot was hot. This spot was hot. Then people had to ask us for a loan to cop them lots. Man, they had to fly. I think we want to uh, acknowledge the history, acknowledge the importance of teaching it, and try to do some real healing. I think that you you would definitely get a lot of different answers, but I think the intention of of the project is definitely too informed to educate and to heal, because we can't we can't heal from racial trauma. We can't learn what can happen when you you know what I'm saying when racism is unchecked without without going through the story without going through the history. So when when history is not talked about, I mean, you're either bound to repeat it or for those who were victims of it you lose your pride, you know? And I think that it's really important to have pride in who you are and your culture and understand the achievements of your culture. This album will hopefully, you know, spark the idea for people to learn more about it. And this year in general, with it being the centennial, hopefully will, you know, spark more people to be more interested in the story and get the truth out. So we can't heal and get past it if we don't really face it for what really happened or for what it was. I'm glad that this album can, can do that that kind of brings everybody in in, a, in in the right space to to handle it with the with the care that it deserves we the cream of the crop yeah i said brother we been doing this for a few years now man love is for real so you have a scene in Tulsa that has really hit its stride now and found an identity through learning this history. Now they want to share and help teach it to the world, like the game did for Steph, and Steph Simon did for a lot of the artists in Tulsa. But how does Dr. View, a person originally from Longview, Texas, and is technically working for the Kaiser Family Foundation, fit into that picture? Before the pandemic, the birth of this project really solidified between a meeting with Dr. View and Steph Simon. I talked with View and Steph to see what that first meeting between the two of them was like. Count it down, we'll do it all collectively. We'll work together. I count it down like one, two, one, two, three, and shh. I don't think people realize the importance of space and place. If I'm DJing out of town in another DJ spot, like, got to check in like it's respect like you're you're occupying space that they're allowing me to be in and like I take that to heart and so I knew coming in like this is Steph Simon's like his landscape this is his canvas and I can't just come in and be like yeah I'm doing this Black Wall Street album and you get in where you fit in <laughs> Like what? I understand when people come into a space. Hip hop is a competitive genre of music. Like this is this is nothing to play with. I see it happen so many times. I just didn't want it to happen. Not not this city and not this time. Um, I feel like our history this was too important for anyone to just come black or white or any, any, any race to just come out here and profit and, and just use and use it. Not really, not really to do it genuinely to help, but just to use it. I was, I would actually be offended or I actually wouldn't want to work with Steph if he didn't react like that. Yeah. Suspicious. Yeah. Like if he was like, oh yeah, let's do it. I'm like, maybe you're not the ambassador. I think you are. So yeah, he he was doing his job. Like I was I was expecting that. Who the who the f are you? Like I was expecting that. Who the f are you? I was I was suspicious on it cuz I I felt it was coming and um I just wanted not really to gatekeep it, but I just wanted to make sure if anyone come to me with it, I want to make sure their intentions are to give back. And in this case it was to give back to the hip hop scene that's kind of gave the city a face. You know, and so what can we do for these artists that's been out here doing this for pennies for so long and the city is gaining so much from it? Okay, this is where he's coming from. 
but also I want to make sure he understands who I am and that I'm not coming in here to take away what they've done. I'm really just trying to expand upon it and like help. Everything, everything was good, man. If you was a special selfless person, I know a lot of people like that, but you don't, you don't run into many people like that randomly, you know? It was just like, you trying to get somewhere. I see a gap that could help you all as artists, but also the world. Like the world is tired. We have an opportunity where the world will be listening. People are hungry to, to listen to something sonically, not in a book that gets to the core of like the issues. Like this album is going to warp time and you're gonna be like, okay, I know this happened in 1921, but man, this feels like 2021. This feels like George Floyd, but I know we're talking about Peg Leg Taylor in 1921 or Dr. Jackson. It's the same thing. It just it just modernizes itself in different ways. Trying to build our way out of the ashes. They don't know. They don't know what it's like, no. Trying to find the silver lining. A little positive, a little hope for all the hate you give. After that, it was just a matter of asking more people to join. I feel like from the jump, Dr. View came and reached out to the right people. He was like Tony Stark, put a team together. First, Dr. View formed an executive team comprised of himself, Steph Simon, Dial Tone, and St. Dominic. It ended up being a long, tedious, and hard process, but at the end of the day, we picked the right artists and, you know, we put as much effort that we could into, you know, curating the right artists, engineers, producers, and trying to make the right sound, you know, showcase the right talent and make sure that everyone was a part of it. They selected different artists, singers, rappers, and producers, and invited them out to some intro information sessions where Dr. View could explain and answer questions on what they were trying to do. And Dr. View was pretty nervous. I'm not nervous today, but I was nervous when we had the information session, so like a month prior to recording. And I was just anxious to see how people respond to each other in relation to this project. I mean, you gotta think people were coming from places of pain, trauma, uncertainty. Like, why are we doing this project with George Kaiser Family Foundation? Like, people were trying to really wrap their mind, like, are you all gonna utilize my voice in a way that's, that's, that I'm not gonna rock with? And people were asking questions and I was afraid that I wasn't gonna be able to answer them. But I was able to answer every question that they threw at me, whether it was good or bad. That's when I knew it was special. Because Tulsa music is a community. We, are, we really are like a family. Um, those who are connected and know each other um, and have been on the same stage and touched the same mic and wear their t-shirts and eat their food that they cook, you know? So when they're up there telling you of this important project and breaking down like what we're about to do, Absolutely. I was all in. We didn't go into it with any make a song like this, make a song like this. We just went into it like, hey, we're doing a Black Wall Street album. Do some research if you don't know it. If you do, that's 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 a plus. And, and let's let's go. For five days in March of last year, they recorded the album at the Greenwood Cultural Center and Skyline Mansion. More on what it was like recording there and in Tate Brady's former home when we come back. Focus Black Oklahoma is a news and public affairs program covering various topics relevant to the black community statewide. You can hear our program on demand for free at kosu.org. FBO is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, NPR One, and NPR.org. Please download, subscribe, and listen. Oklahoma.
Welcome back. You're listening to Songwriters and Tour Writers and the story of Fire in Little Africa, a hip-hop album commemorating and telling the story of the Tulsa Race Massacre and Black Wall Street. The entire album was recorded in just five days last March. Here's what it was like. One of the artists pulled me to the side and said, you know, I feel like an artist today. Um, and I'm like, you know, what do you mean? He says, you know, the red carpet was pretty much laid out for us. We really provided them the treatment to say like, hey, go in there, take yourself away from the world. Just enjoy the moment of recording these next five days and just have fun. I got there early. So I got to watch people come in. Just all the homies that we normally will rap with downtown, you know, just all fell in into a recording space. We normally do this for performances often, but to hang around your peers in this rap in this rap family for a recording process at this magnitude, it was never done before. Like I it was it was artists that I've that I'm fans of and that I've performed with, but never seen them like their creating process. Like that's sometimes artists don't even let you in on that type of stuff. It was like we all was going to rap camp for five days. For me, I had just had a child about one week prior. (laughs) So um, yeah, it was a lot for me emotionally and just, being there it was it was just a lot um but in a good way i remember like dr Wu and chris like looking at me like all right so like when is this child coming you know like a little worried like are you gonna be able to (laughs) be a part of this project it was one week exactly that i had my child and yeah i have an amazing support system so that's why it was even doable and i honestly feel like i was like running on adrenaline i feel like she just came right on time (laughs) Really, though, like, and she came right because we recorded, like, I would say the week before the shutdown also of the pandemic. So that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and Monday, those five days, the five days before the the world shut down, went in the shutdown mode. And um, the energy was just so surreal. Well, for every person in the space was like ready to go. Like when I tell you we. It was like, if you've ever been in a locker room for basketball before the game, before like a championship game, or even before like your biggest game or your rival game, it was that type of energy throughout the building. The spaces we occupied, Greenwood Culture Center and the Skyline Mansion, which formerly Brady Mansion, just the places we occupied to create it alone, that was like the stadium. You know what I'm saying? That was like the stadium. And we were we were like the Olympians showing up to, you know what I'm saying, to do our thing. You had the javelin stores, you had the basketball players, you got the weightlifters, you got the boxers, you got the track. You know what I'm saying? There so many different varieties of artists that mastered their craft. And uh, everybody, everybody just showed up and, and, and did their sport. I'm a fan of so many of the artists that were on the project, you know what I'm saying? Even though, like, these are people I know, like, I genuinely, like, uh, enjoy their art. It, 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 there were so many artists there that were, that were so dope. It was just, for me, it was fun. I'm just running around, bouncing room to room, just like, I'm at a, I'm at an amusement park, you know what I'm saying? As <laughs> far as I'm concerned, just a grown-ass man's uh, amusement park for me. But it was all out of love, and it was all out of, like, positive energy. You know, like nobody was trying to be better. It was all for the fact of just making this great album. It was just cool to see all your homies just show up in one spot ready to rap, like 50, 60 people. It's like, we got a task to make a great album. Let's do it for 12, 18 hour days every day. We're here. You know what I'm saying? This is this is what time it is. Like everybody was ready to come and do what they do but you walk in there and you're like man this is really about to happen so when you walk in it's a it's a pretty big open space it's like a hallway and then you have the offices on the right and that's where we had one two i want to say three recording studios there and then you have like a conference room that has that that space of the history of 
the victims and on on the walls also are pictures of black wall street some of them is the burning but a lot of it is the successful side of things which i think was very helpful also to the artists we got to walk around and be surrounded so i think that really helped keep us focused and continue to educate us while we were recording this it was just like several different studios you know what i'm saying different rooms there was a room that had all survivors on the walls and you could go up and read them and we had a recording we were recording at the same time in there so it was crazy it was a lot of spiritual energy in there for sure of i believe our ancestors like saying all right this is like we're putting this on y'all like are y'all really gonna tell this story and is it gonna be dope like it's, it's up to y'all to really speak for us um i felt a lot of that but i also just felt like the community like it was it was a crazy experience and it's hard to really put it into words um without just being there the words that i spoke spoke to that moment those moments of you know what i'm saying tragedy loss triumph just keeping that in mind not not making it about me the whole time just being a part of something that's not about my creativity for me but using it to shed light on someone else everybody has a different wave and um i think that's the beauty of Tulsa. we're like a melting pot of culture this is a spectrum of, of hip-hop like Tulsa is this melting pot like you're gonna you're gonna get sensibilities from east coast and west coast and you know the midwest and the south and it's all at the epicenter of of greenwood so for this uh for us all to come together and put all our sounds and ways together for one album to showcase what we what we are as a whole is a beautiful thing and um it was just uh working with so many artists was it was like an experience that I can't really explain. The words I'm saying, I, I say they're from me, you know, but I feel like I'm a conduit or a vessel to pass this energy and this uh, emotion. Like I'm allowing that energy to say, you know what, feel this. Because music is a language and we're just translating the energy that was in that space and we're translating it into a song. It was very powerful. It was like, especially in the Tate Brady Mansion also. So it was... Thursday, Friday, Greenwood Cultural Center, Skyline Mansion, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Greenwood Cultural Center. So um, that Saturday, Greenwood Cultural Center had something going on and we didn't have any other spaces to go to. So I reached out to Felix. Felix Jones is a former NFL player and is the current owner of Tate Brady's Mansion, which under Jones' ownership is now called the Skyline Mansion. My studio was already in the Skyline Mansion. So I reached out to Felix like, hey, we working on this project called Fire in Little Africa. And I'm explaining it to him and just the magnitude of it and like how important it is. And he just with it. He like, yeah, man, let's do it. First time I think I ever went was like a party in high school, which was crazy to me because we knew nothing of the history of the space. It overlooks Tulsa, and basically, for those who don't know, the story has it is that he was able to basically watch Black Wall Street burn down from the balcony of his home, which he helped orchestrate, or at least put money behind. It was heavy for, for a lot of people as well, like, like recording in that space. As soon as you walk in, you're like hit with this mixed emotion of like, I'm angry, like, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, I'm in your house, you know? That was that was one of those where it's like the energy of, of Tate Brady and the things that he did in that space and the fact that we were reclaiming that space and creating this album in this in this space, like that was that was liberatory. That was that was freedom work. That was ancestral work. He opened the doors and we put studios in every room pretty much. That was that was crazy watching everybody walk in, feeling the energy of that house. Like they were walking in a haunted house or something. Like they were walking through a portal or something like, something like that. Anything you want, anything you want in me. If you want funk, you should come funk with me. If you want to roll, you should come and roll with me. Having brunch at the break, a hundred niggas going crazy. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of very interesting energy. It's just being able to channel it, in my opinion. As an artist, um, it can be a lot, but it's it's necessary. 
we was we was say we was like him and sage and musical form like we was just it was our house it just felt like our house for a whole day Look at the skyline, it's more than a name changing. Bringing a lot more than an appetite to the table. Sacrifices made like more than half my life I gave to. Building like I laid the pavement underneath the stage. People just hanging out in the, the lobby areas, just, just collaborating on beats and eating and laughing and having fun. It was, it was like, after that, like you forgot whose house it was. Like it was, it was like it was never Tay Brady's house. There was definitely uh, people knowing, like, yeah, this this would not be something Tate Brady would be into. I can see that sunlight. I can feel my arms stretch. I can feel that Greenwood spirit harness the best of us. I can see a hundred niggas on the lawn like everything is us. Anything you want in me. The history there is so crazy, even on how his death was there. So it's, it's a lot of... It's a lot of energy in that space, and I love to see that it's been flipped. People, people always say, "Man, why are y'all doing that in there? Burn it, like burn the house down, like burn every house down." It looks like that, and I'm like, "Yeah, you could burn it, you know what I'm saying? But if you're gonna keep it, let's 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 change the narrative on on it, you know? Let's let's take it, let's let's just take it. Like, how about we take it and we do what we want to do in it." And if we want to burn it down later, we will. <laughs> but till then, right now, we want it. We want to. We want to take everything. It was the founder of Tulsa, and we're like the new founders of this new Tulsa. His name has slowly been coming off of pretty much everything that it was on. It was the Brady Tavern, which is now just the tavern. Uh, there's the Brady Theater, which they now call the Tulsa Theater. Again, that, that district where we were doing so many of these shows in, which was called the Brady District, now it's called the Tulsa Arts district me being from Tulsa and being on the scene for so long and knowing how it used to be and how it is now it was like a, an amazing and beautiful sight to see that our artists that used to have beef with each other or people that used to not really mess with each other you know just never really worked with each other before coming together and trying to put something together for the bigger picture you know for this project which is bigger than all of us so um for that reason alone the, the weekend was special and seeing everybody in those rooms was, was really special the idea was to tell the world to tell the world about Black Wall Street, not just the massacre, but to tell the story of the massacre and like what uh, what that means now to us to, to definitely tell our own story. Like we didn't want it to be like a, a history lesson. You know what I'm saying? Because I think if the idea of having the story really impact, it had to be told in our own voices. We couldn't, you know what I'm saying, kind of force force a narrative in there it was it was definitely something more natural that we had learned about and had our own ideas on uh what rebuilding looks like and and what we can do to get there looking back at it this that was really like a a moment that i'm never gonna ever forget finally after you know weekend was not something that people have experienced on a consistent basis to see the smiles like to truly see the smiles and the energy it was like, okay, we definitely have something special for a fact. Once that weekend was over, we would have the songs that we would need. At the end of the five days, they had written and recorded. Uh, it was about 143 songs, I believe. And for the next year, the executive team narrowed and honed the songs down to what you're hearing now. And like how the last year was in general, it was a long and difficult process. That's the part that I love, though. I love putting albums together. Like It's like putting a thousand-piece puzzle together. I mean, 143 songs to 21 was, was hard. Mm -hmm. Like, probably one of the hardest things I've had to do. How do we want this album to sound? What do we want the storyline to be of the album? So we decided we want the storyline to progress you through each stage of Tulsa, each era of Tulsa that we know. 
like like when you write a book, you know what I'm saying? You you outline, you put the plot and the plot twist and you match the outline. So we outline the album on the whiteboard. Like what do we want this album to sound like? What do we, where what journey do we want to take people on? And that's what we agreed on, me and the executive team. We said, okay, we want to start in the twenties. So the sounds at the beginning of the album will give a more classic sound, and we're establishing the story of Dick Rowland and like leading up into the riot, and then after the riots happened, the rebuild and the regrowth of the community into now in the future. And by the time you get to the end of the album, we want you to be in 2021. Saint Dominic mentioned Dick Rowland, whose story begins the album and the Tulsa Race Massacre. He's he's just a he's he's he was a regular everyday kid in in North Tulsa and just one day one day his life changed and he quote unquote became the cause of the destruction of Black Wall Street which was unfair he specifically was a shoe shiner you know with the world being segregated at the time Black people had to go to their own bathrooms you already know his happened to be like very far away from where he shined shoes or just in general the only black bathroom was just very far away in general him going there frequently um he met a dual woman or an elevator woman tulsa's white newspapers told of a black teenager who allegedly attacked a white female elevator operator it was already tension building up in tulsa at the time with the whites and the blacks because they didn't understand why tulsa greenwood and black wall street was so independent and to be honest, they were jealous, you know, and they wanted to mess all our stuff up. At the jail, a lynch mob demanded the prisoner. That, with uh, people gathering up angry blacks to go free Dick Rowland because he was wrongly accused. Black veterans of World War I arrived to shield the defendant for his day in court. Mixed with white people already being angry about blacks being rich and successful, colliding, you know what I'm saying, one day and sparking into a whole massacre. A shot was fired. The mob chased the black vets to Greenwood. You know, them showing us how they really felt. Let me show you why this is the best sign that you're going to get all year. And they don't call me Diamond Dick Rolling for no reason. So shiny, you can see a shit in So it's from Dick Rowan's point of view and his name that they take on for those early songs. All my favorite rappers have alias names, backup nicknames when they rap and i wanted one and because of the content that i rap about that was the perfect name okay this guy was the catalyst for the destruction of black wall street which is dick Rowland, diamond dick Rowland. all right i'm gonna be the catalyst for the the rebirth and the rebuild of black wall street at least for the music side so me personally i had a song for instance, City of Dreams, where I wrote a verse, me of me embodying Dick Rowland and having a premonition of the massacre. Well, I had a dream. It was May 29th. I was sitting in a cell, devil playing with my life. Now attention getting high. I can feel it in the night. If I'm wrong, if I'm right, I won't go without a fight. I had a dream, it was May 29th, I was sitting in a cell, that was playing with my life, now I take you getting high, I can feel it in the night, sometimes I be sleep and I just wake up at like 4 or 3 in the morning with like music, and I can't go back to sleep till I write the music, and the music that I write like that are songs like Diamonds, or songs like Visions, or songs like Be No Hall, or songs like Beneath the Ashes. It's like, these aren't just normal songs that you get from me. You get these real deep spiritual songs that I don't even write. <laughs> like, I just wake up like I'm possessed. And um, I don't know if it's Dick Rowland doing that, sending signals to me, but 
I get the signals from somewhere. Like a fresh pair of penny loafers with the polish on it, tell them keep on shining. Like a diamond on your pinky when you sipping Pinot Greasy, tell them keep on shining. Yeah, yeah. Always knew you had the glow, but now they see it from the coast, tell them keep on shining. They gon' keep on sleeping on you till they see that rolling on you, tell them keep on shining. I'm off in tape, Brady Kitchen. Up a million dollar mission. I want people to be like Steph, Dicky Rowe. And it just felt right to, to take on that name. He didn't know what he was doing was going to affect generations and generations and generations. And people people died. And people, people were buried, like, in the ground and mass graves. And all this stuff happened. I want to affect so many lives on the opposite of that. I want Farnlow Africa to affect so many people and so many generations of people. I want it to affect people that won't even, that's not even born yet. Uh, that's how big I want Farnlow Africa to be. So that's why I say Dickie Rowe. 2021, Dickie Rowe's the the rebirth. Picture this, Greenwood Ave, Redman's Land, she the brilliance built by a black man's hand. It was for us, by us, off, prop, fly us, hold up, try us, peg leg, got us, we radiate. These jewels cost, this shine ain't free. For a buck, they twist our Rubik's of our history. But we're what it looks like when we got our own backs. We're what it looks like when we build It's 21 songs, and it takes you through the... Black Renaissance, successful before the riot era. Then it takes you through the riot. Then it takes you through what what is the cause and effect of destroying Black history and taking away their, their generational wealth and giving them guns and, and drugs. You get the Thugtown era and the and the Coke era and the Coke epidemic. And then after you get through that era, you you come into where we are now, which is what we like to call the everything is us era. You learn your history, you relearn it, and you try to apply that knowledge. That's the stages of the album that you get the energies and the and the feelings that you and the emotions that you get throughout the album. So once we created that, we said, okay, let's listen to all 143 songs and what feels like each era. And then it goes from picking the best, the best ones we feel represent, represent us to the world. It was a long process. It took a year. Everything is Us is something you all have heard a lot. It's a motto that kind of defines the album and originates from a song off of Steph Simon's Born on Black Wall Street. It came from a verse that I did called Beano Hall on a song called Beano Hall on Born on Black Wall Street. Be no lame, be no lie, be no fraud. Be no, be no. Grab a seat, get a plate, be no star. Be no, be no. Get the bread, help the knee, heal the scar. Be no, be no. We in charge, this is all, be no hard. Be no, be no. Be no lame, be no lies, be no fraud. Be no, be no. Grab a seat, get a plate, be no star. Be no, be no. Get the bread, help the knee, heal the scar. Be no, be no. We in charge, this is all, be no hard. I was rapping about just using my imagination, creating a building where, uh, like a church almost, like a secret church, the verse is about what it takes, the criteria to be a part of this union. Now we play for keys. Everything is us, everything we need, we already got, and we live by it like a creed. We connected like a set, so in seed, ready to invest. My congregation elite, conversation unique, play our roles to the T. Foundation built off trust, the world or your machine. And we ain't come to riot or march, we want results. We coming to take your pockets apart, taking control of the art, taking control of the block. The benefit we gon' reap as long as you play your part. Be no, be no. So that's really what everything is us came from, and also how how do we push Black Wall Street forward? How do we push that mentality forward without saying Black Wall Street? You know, because everything is us comes from Black Wall Street, but that can be you. 
You know what I'm saying? You can have your own thing going and work with some, one of your friends and, and just build grassroots from the ground up. So that's really what it came from. I wanted to take that mentality that I felt like Black Wall Street needed. In order for Black Wall Street to sustain, they had to have an everything is us mentality in order for it to work. So I was like, okay, let's let's take that and make that a make that the new lifestyle. We we live in and we're built on like rugged individualism, you know what I'm saying? Like the idea that nobody's here to help you, nobody's for you in the end, people just are only for you as far as it can, you know, further their whatever their aspirations are. And and seeing a lot of people successful in that way, you know, individually, it, it really takes some faith to to think that it can work with you, with you not making it about you, that it can work for you. A hundred different ways to get it, sticking to the script. A shabba dabba tweet tweet like I'm Charlie Will. I wrote it down on some paper, then I made it real. It's a whole lot of money going round the room. Now we got options, making better moves. Everything is us, tell me who is you. The only reason they gon' hate, cause they got the loot. 30,000 feet up, that's a better view. When you want the real love, who you running to? About to hit the runway, this a party playing Fila on the airlines, anything is possible. I think it really means like getting back to circulating that dollar within the black community and not only believing in each other, but also like believing so much in each other that you're willing to buy somebody's product. Like I, I'm about to buy a black candle. I'm about to get black lip gloss. I'm about to go get LaRue's Kitchen. I believe in myself or I believe in you. And I'm about to put everything I have into this. When I say everything is us, what I'm really saying is Greenwood is our motherland in America. Like it is our Ghana, it is our South Africa. And that's not to be arrogant, it's just to say like Oklahoma was about to be a black state. We had the most black towns. Come on, man. Like that's not arrogance, that's fact. Everything is us is that it started in Greenwood. I never let people hear our music like this before. And what I mean by that is because we've been built off a scene that you have to come see it for yourself first and you hear us live first, that's what makes people fall in love with us. I love our sound. Like we have this unique sound, but we also have every sound. So we have like every genre of hip hop you can think of, but we also have a unique style to Tulsa, which I think is like that live band feel with music, um, with hip hop. We're not the industry standard looking artists. We're everyday people. So you come see us and you come hear us live and you purchase our album or find us on Spotify or whatever and you listen and then you find your favorite songs. In this case, we're just about to give the world our songs before they even know who we are. You just jumping off the building, <laughs> like for real. You just jumping off the building and it's like, start flying, you know what I'm saying? You better learn how to fly. All right, let's see how well this sounds. Near the end of April of this year, Fire and Little Africa came to perform in Oklahoma City, and I was able to check it out, talk to some of the artists for the first time in person, and last of all, listen to the music live. So I just walked off from uh, the backstage of the... The show was at the Oklahoma Contemporary Art Center and was one of the first performances since the shutdown that the Fire and Wall Africa artists were able to put on. 
I think everyone's kind of just happy to like be out and like just the sheer fact of like being able to see people again is kind of a big deal. Yeah, everyone is uh, pretty excited to be performing. So I checked in beforehand and asked what it was like getting ready. When was the last time that all the field artists have been together in one place? Yesterday, we had, uh, yeah, we had um, rehearsal. Uh, but I mean, throughout the times, it's like, it's only been a couple of times since since we recorded it. This is a surreal moment. This is, I mean, I mean, you see it. I mean, for, for the listeners, it's like, yo, the, the story is still being written. I mean, we're here at the Oklahoma Contemporary Museum right now in OKC. This is our first show. It's sold out. This is like a, a family cookout. Like, this is food trucks and you got family, got kids running around. Like, it really is about community, man. It's about just sharing love. Like, everybody needs this moment tonight. They haven't, these artists haven't performed live in over a year. They've been itching to get on the stage. You know, it's this is for real now. It's game time. And, um, first impression is the last impression. So this is the first show for Fire in Little Africa. It's the first time that um, the public gets to hear what we've been hyping up for the past year. We No, no one's heard, heard any songs that we've made. So this is the first time um, that we're that we're going to play it. So, yeah. you know. I'm excited to see how everybody feels. This performance came right on the heels of them getting signed and licensed out to Motown. So what does it mean now for for Motown to be putting the resources in to, to the hip-hop scene? Uh, it means a mass appeal. We're finally about to be heard. And there's no better way to be heard than be talking about the, the most covered-up terrorist attack in the history of the U.S. The karma of what took place is going to be our success. This was just an education project, and now it's transformed into a communal movement where a label, a prestigious label at that, Motown, signed the state of Oklahoma. They didn't sign an individual. They signed the state, and that's never been done before. And Lawton, Oklahoma City, and Tulsa are represented on this album. Like... That's never been done before in the music industry, like ever. I hope people understand the sincerity that we brought, and I think I hope people understand the severity of what happened. You know what I'm saying? Great things have come from it, like us getting signed to Motown, us being able to perform at a museum, contemporary art museum, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, what happened to those people, you know what I'm saying, can't be reversed. You know what I'm saying? Like, people's lives were lost, people's businesses were lost, people got lost in history. Like the mission wasn't to get signed to Motown. Like we didn't we didn't come together to say how can we get signed to Motown using the the names and backs of people, you know, we didn't come together for that. We came to like we need to let people know about this because people don't know. And there's people in this room that live here that didn't know what happened, but be on that street. I think it can't I don't think it can get as serious as that. Y'all gonna have to come rush the stage for this. What's the last song? Man? Let's do it. A lot of money going around the room. Now we got options, making better moves. Everything is us, tell me who was you. We know each other's kids, you know what I'm saying? We, our kids know each other, you know what I'm saying? Like each other, like it's, it's everything is us. It, it's, that shit is real. I love these folks, man. And they love each other, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it really is real. And it's, I'm blessed, uh, grateful, fortunate to be a part of it. That was Steph Simon, Dr. View, St. Dominic, A.L.L., Paris Cariz, and First Verse from Fire in Little Africa. My name is Paris Cariz of World 45. You know what I'm saying I'm here with Fila. Everything is us. Fire in Little Africa is out now from Motown Records and Black Forum. What's going on with your man, Dr. View, reporting live from Black Wall Street? You can find out more about Fire and Africa at KOSU.org. What's going on, everybody? My name is A. Illa here with KOSU. There you can also find a full list of songs that were played in this episode. Yeah, yeah, man. My name is Steph Simon. I'm an executive producer for Fire and Africa. Um, man, everything is us every day, forever and more. Thank y'all. Yeah, yeah. Diamond. <laughs>
Songwriters and Tour Writers is a production of KOSU and the service of Oklahoma State University. Our editor is Ryan McCroy, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Variapa. Yeah, this is First Verse, a.k.a. Mr. That'll Cost You 30 Bucks, and this is KOSU. approaching 30,000 feet. We're going to take you high above your problems, above them haters. It's just gems and plays, movers and shakers, town greats, Black Wall Street ancestral related, ready to drop bombs over Brady. We too got something to say, and we're saying it. World, I hope you're ready. You are now on Tulsa time.